Welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast. I'm Teresa. I'm Angie. And we're together. We're telling you the history stories that we wanted to learn. And so, you know, sit back, buckle up, because I'm, I'm sure we, we brought some bangers today. But it's just the stuff we're compulsively learning on our own. And we figured we'd invite you along. So congratulations. Because I hope you have insurance. <laughs> and a great therapist. You know... That's really what it is. Right. You know, it's either you can afford therapy or you're here. What makes it worse is knowing you could be here at the bar. Just bring your drinks with you. I mean, I purposefly am. This is a mixture of Pendleton whiskey and a little bit of apple juice because I, I wanted to keep the color. I love that. And you know, it is just been brought to my attention because you showed me that i did not bring a beverage with me what's even better is that this mug comes from a now defunct bar that's amazing it is it is from the canadian owned bar that i used to drink at when i lived there in japan (laughs) remember how world war ii started i mean so it wasn't as crazy as that but it was one of those like like the Canadian would get, you know, you, you shouldn't get high on your own supply. He was, you know, he would drink quite a bit. And after it, that's he probably got, why it's defunct. I mean, he, I don't, I really don't know what happened. Maybe he decided to not be out all night, you know, drinking or whatever, you know, like okay. get a job where you don't have to be open till three. Um, Weird. But uh, he ended up like he would get hammered and then. If he got hammered, he would pull out his own private stash of Canadian club whiskeys. <laughs> it's like a whiskey of the month club from Canada. Oh my goodness. And you would get like, you would see like six bottles on the counter and he'd be like, take a shot of this. And you're going to notice some smoky notes. This one's been aged. So you're going to be able, and you're like, you know what? This is fabulous. Can I taste? I, I can't even feel my, my soft palate, but you know, let's, let's see, let's do the next one. I... I would so much rather go whiskey tasting than wine tasting. I feel like you don't have the pretentiousness. To be a wine drinker? Well, when you're whiskey drinking, like, I feel like it's, when you're wine drinking, like, you go to the the winery and they give you the little tiny glass and then there's some person who spits it out and you're mm-hmm. like, I, mm. yeah, so no, I couldn't do that. And the problem is I would only make it three shots in. To, to the whiskey i'm not pretentious enough because i don't have the mustache but otherwise i do it's whiskey is my is my uh, i have the, the alcoholic beverage is my favorite and i tell my daughter that i have the mustache yeah still jealous i'll never have one i mean like it's to the point where you know like she asked like at one point mom what do you do for work and i was like just tell your class my bearded woman Ethan told his class once when they were asked what your parents do uh, that his dad throws the riffraff out. Damn. Yeah, I got that. I got that note from the teacher when I picked him up. She was like, I don't know what your husband does, but your son thinks he throws the riffraff out. (laughs) I mean, I don't think she's he's not wrong. No, he's not. And so when I went when I took him home that day, I asked him, I was like, um, so Ethan told his class today that you throw the riffraff out. And Ian just started laughing and he was like, uh, not anymore. They're pretty much gone because we threw them all out. 
<laughs> but you know, riffraff is one of them words that he just didn't come up with. No, because he he heard it from his father. Right. Riffraff. Like, yeah, he, he reported on facts. He sure, he was spitting the journalistic truth. Right? Like, that was Ooh. a direct quote, signed, dad. I just said that word, and I guarantee you I'm going to botch up every other word I say now. Journalistic. That was beautiful. Well done. I mean, Thank I still you. have a hard time saying Oliver Cromwell. I mean, and- okay, Oliver Cromwell, because they don't go together. It's like Irish wristwatch. Oh, okay. I don't yeah. feel bad anymore, because it's like, I just talk in cursive. <laughs> yeah. I get that. I told yes. Mm-hmm. And ignore the fact that I said I'm drinking, you know, a heavy stiff drink. But you know, I talk in cursive, and it's fine. I do that sober. I do that at three. I should stop talking. I got I'm, you. I'm, I, I'm I digging fully... myself a deeper hole. You know what? Not with me. Our listeners, maybe, but not me. I get it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I have a feeling you already know my story. What? Weird. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, for, for those playing at home, um, <laughs> we we did record. We recorded earlier today, even like responsible adults, and then um, realized that the audio it's it just needs to get redone. So here we are. So here we are. <laughs> and like in the past, we've done this thing where we're like, you know, what we're gonna do. We're going to like throw out the entire episode. And we're going to come at each other with an entire new book report on what we're doing. <laughs> and today I was just like, you know what? I don't feel like doing a new book report. Either, well, and like, also our stories are so fun. Like, they're oh, so fun. It well, is yours, so good. Yours is, yours is way funner than mine. Mine's kind of depressing, but but they're great stories. Yours is not depressing. You just don't know how to market it. I mean, like, okay, I could mark, I could tell the whole story without telling the bad parts of the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like the bad parts make the good parts. So do, so that yes, that's why okay, I told so the bad parts. Market it better. Okay. Don't just be like, okay, so um I, I hope we've all done our Xanax because this is about to go <laughs> real dark, real quick. Uh do I'm not saying that you need to bear? have you paused to call your therapist or your mother. Is your therapist your mother? <laughs> that shouldn't be because that is a conflict of interest. I think so. But some people, you know, they got to call mom. That is what very- do I know? My therapist is 11 years old. <laughs> okay, that sounds like your poor child is going to need some reparenting. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But he is, um, <clears throat> I always tell him, he's the calm in the storm. So like whenever I am having a rough day, like I just want to sit by him and not talk. And he just, his calmness kind of, you know rubs off mm. yeah everybody needs one like that I, you know i don't have one like that i mean no i don't have one like that yeah but yours is really awesome anyway no mine is really stinking awesome yeah but uh mike lives with two of me <laughs> i constantly tell ethan or ian that he lives with two of me because he's got ethan also but ethan is like me um hopped up on mountain dew oh and he likes people so there's that i mean like 
like my daughter, we we are either like at each other's throats or like brainwaves. Hit me with your story. I want to hear it, yo. Okay. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to tell you. So the story was originally pitched to me off TikTok. And it's by someone whose handle is Mr. Argentium. And he presented that I need to talk about the pastry war. And so like automatically when you get a, t- a term like the pastry war, I'm like, I'm in. I mean, because it was like, I was like, you know, if this is a legit war, then it's going to involve France. Like, it's going to, you know, like, okay, now who's the contender? Like, you know, okay, so I was thinking about this. The amount of times France has been rather either directly or indirectly involved in an international incident makes me laugh. They've (laughs) been a world player for a long time like a very long time and is it this way because just of their like location like we are right smack dab right here and we have these other superpowers like these other very prominent figures near us so i guess like we're involved now right like by like by default you know okay so the one thing i was thinking of is like you think about how next door neighbors are not good good neighbors you need to have like you think about music piano when you have two keys next to each other it's dissonant it's like because you need a little bit more space between your neighbors to have a good time high fences build good neighbors exactly and you know next door neighbors not the best with when you look at piano but you look at countries that share borders and typically not good friendships right like you've had some beef and unless like but with france i was like okay so france has this great border between of the english channel between it and england that's a big barrier of water but yet there have been like not decades centuries Centuries. of beef between those two countries and it's like well maybe maybe they just developed like navies and then that didn't count but it's like okay so why do the basque mountains of spain provide such a good barrier like mountains well, are the I best. Mean, so well there is that area of Spain between Spain and France, Navarre. Mm-hmm. That's like uh, you know, contested. Like sometimes it's French, sometimes it's Spanish, and everybody there, like whatever. They just they live they live They're amongst like, themselves. Yeah, like, you know what? I'm just here. Whatever. Whatever. Like just tell me where I need to pay my taxes. Like I wonder if that's why, because there's a middle ground where they're like, well. I guess we're French today. <laughs> we, we only pay taxes to who shows up. And uh, we just hope if if you're the one angry about it, that you showed up first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with that lead in, I'm going to lead off with my sources. Okay. Okay. So I'm going off of cooksinfo.com. They've got an entry on the pastry war. I'm going off of mexconnect.com. They have the pastry war of 1838 history.com. They have an entire article on six wars fought for ridiculous reasons. And their one paragraph summary of the pastry war is a must read. Absolute gold. Um, And then there's an article from the legislative reference library of Texas 
titled How Food Caused Santa Ana to Lose His Leg Twice. Yeah. Um, okay, one of your sources has mechs in it, and I'm going to be real honest. Both times I've heard that now, I keep thinking, you did you get this off a off menu? I did. <laughs> I went to Chevy's. <laughs> I had to wear a sombrero. But did it have the cheese sauce? You know what I'm... And you take the... No, uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Hotel Transylvania 3, I think, has it. He's got a sombrero made out of chip, tortilla chip. And the center of the sombrero, you know, that fits on your head, has a bowl of nacho cheese in it. Okay. I mean, I feel like Transylvania 3 played in the background and entertained child as I, like, read a textbook or something. You you should you should take a ch- take an opportunity to watch all three of them if you have not because they are delights. Okay, I will I will yeah. add that to the, the list of things that I need to do. Yeah, and then report back because uh, one of the characters in that movie I live with um, all the time. So it's back to the pastry war. Pastry wars. Um, that's what we're talking about. Yep. Now, I mean, pastry war. In one of the articles, the headline was like in 1838. So I'm gonna I'm have to go back and I'm have to give you tons of background because that's what I do. Because I don't feel like a war comes up out of nowhere. Um, Usually not. No, like there's (laughs) typically stuff that happens. So 1821, Mexico gains its independence from Spain, and it's got a ton of growing pains. Like in a previous episode, you had mentioned something about like how quickly, like how. Mexico just kept going through government after government after government. And it's actually during this time, because I was I was kind of like, what in the world are you talking about? Like I did I just wrote it down. I was like, look this up. She's not, she's not making this up. And <laughs> it's during this time that Mexico changed its presidency or its presidency changed hands about 20 times during that first 20 years. So things were rocky. And rocky. <laughs> You mean they weren't yeah. smooth? I mean, huh. you know, when you're just a foundling country and you just don't have your systems and structures built up and you don't have a lot of capital. And so you have to keep going to people like France asking for money to fight, you know, wars, to quash rebellions, to keep your country together, you know, little things. And then you go to France and you're like, hey, um, I don't really like these terms of our our loan. Can I get better terms? Maybe, I don't know, recognize me as a country. And France says, no. This is like France being everybody's big brother. I mean, it it kind of is. <laughs> France and Mexico. And Mex- France is like trying to exploit Mexico for, you know, mining opportunities within the country. And Mexico is just like, look, we just need the money, right? We're we're just having trouble. Like 1828, Mexico is feeling particularly lawless. They're having another change of government. And it's a hotly contested election, which means that there's two warring factions in the streets, one of which is led by, and I love the word redoubtable. I did have to look up what it meant because it was just a word I don't hear used often. It's like formidable, but in a comical sense. Okay, okay. And I'm just like, that is an oddly specific word. I love it. So the redoubtable General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana, he is leading a garrison in Mexico City that and overthrows the other political candidate, Pedraza. 
And then amid this chaos of 1828, mobs of soldiers are doing this fantastic thing where they're looting homes and businesses throughout the city. You know, they're they're making friends and and winning in droves. Yeah, like, that's just what they're doing. And during this time, they end up smashing up a pastry shop belonging to a French national named Monsieur Romontel. And he he claims he was ransacked by drunken army forces. So he's he's got a beef. And Romontel goes... I mean, that checks, though. Yeah. I mean, like, chances are it's not going to be a bunch of, of stone cold. Like, if they're coming through and smashing up your shops, they, they probably stopped at the wine shop owned by your buddy next door. Yeah, I would have to think. <laughs> right? Like... They're Maybe not... they were whiskey tasting. Oh, bless them. They can do no wrong. <laughs> They've they've well, made all the saying. right choices. Well, for us they did. I know. Because here we are. <laughs> um so there's sources that say that Remontel, like his shop losses were only like about a thousand pesos of what he lost, but he starts claiming sixty thousand pesos to rebuild. Basically like the lifetime earnings of his shop. Okay. Well, he's just trying to retire early. I mean, I can't fault him for it. And so the Mexican officials they just do the logical thing. They ignore his complaints. As you do. I mean, at, at this point, financial restitution is not offered to any foreigner at all by Mexico because Mexico is a little bit strapped for cash. They're not just going to do anything and everything. So as this all is going on, like a couple years go by and it's 1833 and uh, the redoubtable General Antonio Lopez. De <laughs> Sorry, when you say it, I lose it. <laughs> I know because it's just one of those. Like, as the story goes on, he becomes more redoubtable. Yes, that's probably how he got the name. Yeah, I mean, I should mention now that many of the articles I read, he fashions himself, he fashions himself as a, a, a reincarnate of Napoleon. So he spends heavy, like his, his marketing spin, he goes heavy handed on it. But uh, I love it. I mean, if you're going to go go hard right yeah uh, does he know how napoleon ended um <laughs> i think he figures it out oh okay 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 but we're getting ahead of ourselves um so in 1833 santa Ana seizes the presidency and then almost immediately he does this whole thing where it gets hard and so he retires he i just i just can't and then he comes back to power and then he goes back out but he, as he's doing this, he's letting his vice president just kind of take control. And it's basically whenever whenever he just bows out. So 1836, okay. he leads an expedition across the Rio Grande. And he's quelling the rebellion that is happening in Texas. Uh, this is where the Battle of the Alamo happens. <laughs> and the Battle of the Alamo, he wins the Alamo. Like, you know, great victory there. And that's the assault that ended Davy Crockett. And that bit makes me sad. I'm okay. I obviously know whose side you're on. I can tell the color of your passport from here. No, okay, not not for that reason, but for the fact that, like, I'm sure Davy Crockett did some unscrupulous things. But um, you know, like as as an American school child, like all you hear is that he was this great frontier ex- like explorer. You know, I mean. All I really know about him is that he wore a raccoon skin hat. 
I mean, I think that's all we need to know about him. Really? I maybe you know what? Let's do a podcast about him. Okay, that's your that's your topic next round. And next next round because my next round is for April Fools. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Trust me, you're gonna want to hear it. (laughs) All right. So it's right after you know he witnesses Davy Crockett go to his bitter end to meet his maker that. (sighs) Mexico is defeated and he's taken prisoner. And somehow during this, he is such a rogue that he ends up organizing a meet with Andrew Jackson. And en route to Washington, he's greeted as a celebrity by the anti-slavery movement because it seems as if everything happening in Texas is an effort by the slave states to improve their position. Okay. I mean, okay. I mean, I can't, I can't fault him for this. Like, take the advantage of whatever situation you're in. He knows how to market. That's for sure. I mean, honestly, that's what this whole podcast is about. Is like, just take a leaf out of his book. Because for the most part, from a marketing perspective, he gets it right only because he keeps succeeding. (laughs) And whatever works. You know, like military strategists, maybe not so much, but he gets in front of Andrew Jackson and he's still like technically president of Mexico. So he, he's he Santa Ana's like, you know what? I, I'll let I'll let Texas be independent. I'll let you know what? You, you're right. OK, but I may need to go talk to the Congress of Mexico. Um, and if I go do that, will you guys like just I don't know, let me go. And America's like, oh, oh yeah, one shucks. I mean, we kind of like, yeah, you're crazy. And so. <laughs> As he gets to Mexico, he's like, uh, you know, I kind of don't want to tell everybody that I lost Texas. That That's going to make him pretty stinking sore. Uh, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. I'm going to go sit on the beach, drink some mimosas, have a good time. I'm going to call it. Like, this I'm doesn't, done. This doesn't, yeah. Like, tap out. One, two, me, three, yeah, not take, it. Take me out, coach. Yeah. Like, I, I want to, I just want to go sit on the bench. It's been a hard inning. Yeah. And as he thinks you know as he's he's right because mexico is pretty pretty pissed off about this like the congress is not happy and they don't necessarily agree that texas is quote free and mexico is broke so they need everything they can get their hands on and it's in this process they've taken out millions in modern or in pre in old time money in 1830s money from france uh in santa Ana, because i mean Santa Ana is the reason why they took out so much money because it's his fault they were trying to quell that rebellion in, in Texas. the first place. Yeah, like he's one is like, yo, uh, yo, King, what you got for me? <laughs> what can you, doing, can huh? you can you just say that I'm my own country? We can get a better interest rate, right? I mean, I know you, I know you do it for Spain. Come on, <laughs> you you do it for my ex. Oh my god. But Santa Ana, when he comes home, he's like, That's... I'm not like, look, Mexico's bankrupt. I'd rather go have a Mai Tai. And uh... as a result, Mexico's like, you're dead to me. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I'm retired. What do I care? So Texas. Back, back up, back up a little bit. And now it's time to realize that Remontel, the owner of the pastry shop, he's been complaining for 10 years 
And it's like none of the articles I read was like, and he's still complaining. Like you have to kind of read between the lines and be like, that was a decade ago. And he's still like, what has he been doing since then? Has he like set up like a, a small version of it? Like, does he have like a little wheelbarrow full of beignets and croissants going down? Like, is he hustling or has he rebuilt it all? Or is he just like, back in my day, I had soldiers, drunken soldiers come in. I would love to know from his standpoint what happened in these 10 years. I mean, because basically all I can figure out that is he just complained the entire time and Mexican officials are just ignoring him the entire time. So like the best Karen, he has escalated up the chain of command, (laughs) manager after manager after manager to the point where he's like, you know what? I'm done with this entire organization. I'm switching organizations and I'm going to talk to King Louis Philippe at my own king and I'm going to complain to him about the the awfulness that I'm I'm experiencing in another country. The service I'm getting here. Right. Like this is like getting so upset at the service you're getting at Wendy's. You go to Burger King to complain to their manager. (laughs) That checks. (laughs) But I mean, in this case. Burger King's manager is a bit more pull because King Louis Philippe, he's pissed because Mexico has failed to play, pay the millions and loans that they owe. And they've kind of made the statement that maybe, maybe next year's not good either. <laughs> and so he's just itching for a reason at this point. And this is when he tells the king, I'm looking for 60,000 pesos. And King Louis Philippe, he looks at him and says, 60,000. I'm demanding that they pay 600,000. And so it's just like, you know, it's bad when your king says, whatever you want, move the decimal point. We're going with that number. And remember, (laughs) his losses were about probably a thousand. So this is just ridiculous. And when Mexico ends up hearing the number that King Louis Philippe states, they're balking at what they consider an astrological sum. They they couldn't get it if they wanted to, right? Remember, they're they're so broke that Santa Ana has decided that peace out, self-paid retirement is the best way to go. And so King Louis Philippe, he's like, okay, you don't want to pay me. That's fine. Not a problem. I declare war. <laughs> and as you do. I mean, it's just like, okay, we're starting about it. Like this, this is, this isn't necessarily a pig, but it's basically a pile of croissants that we're starting a war over. (laughs) So it's another absolutely ridiculous thing. And in France's defense, they're claiming that this is just another example of a foreign investor in Mexico that's been denied compensation by the Mexican government for damage. Yeah. Damage is causing civil unrest. The problem with this statement is that Mexico is not even paying for compensation for their own citizens when their soldiers are stomping through town, like flattening everything, doing a scorched earth campaign because their side won or lost or whatever you do. Whatever. Right. But it's like, you it can go at, both ways. I mean, you know, have you ever been so happy that your sports team won that you just decide to flatten an entire city block? No, I can safely say that no, I've never done that. Um, but I've watched it on the news. 
I mean, I have as well. So it's easy to like throw shade at at Mexico for doing this. The problem is when you think about the time frame, France uh, is not is not without not without issue here. Because they've just gone through decades of war, revolution. There's been coups, maybe a couple upheavals. And <laughs> they're not like shelling out money to their citizens either. So France, he's like, they're like, you know, we're going to send French Baron Bouffedi to Mexico with an ultimatum to pay the, the 600000 And Mexico's like, look, we don't have our money. We've, we've gone through the couch a couple of times. It's not <laughs> here weird texas took it (laughs) yeah like don't mess with texas we've tried and the mexican president anastasio bustamante he just ignores the ultimatum and i get it right like you have that bill that comes in you're like yeah maybe um i i'm gonna kick this can down the road a bit yeah maybe don't yeah you know this this one looks expensive i'm gonna go eat a carton of ice cream and comment Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've all done it. So mm-hmm. yeah. April of 1838, France responds by sending a fleet, an entire fleet under Napoleonic naval hero, Admiral Charles Boudin. And he arrives and sets up a blockade from the coast of Mer- Mexico on the Caribbean side, from the Yucatan all the way up to the Rio Grande, and then captures nearly every part of the Mexican Navy. I mean, you do what you got to do, you know? I mean, you know you're really small and fledgling when it's just done like that. Done. And so and it was pro- yeah, it was probably nothing for the French fleet, too. Like, no, they been, were probably like, meh, okay. I've had worse. this for, for hundreds of years, right? Like, thanks, Britain. Yeah, like, we, <laughs> we're well trained in this. Um, but yeah. We'll take your three schooners and just kind of sweep them aside and call it a day. Yeah, it's fine. So this, with their entire Navy being, you know, captured and all the ports closed to merchant traffic, the Mexican smugglers, they start moving goods into the ports of Texas and then trying to transport them over land back into Mexico. And also seems like a terrible idea. I mean, it doesn't seem like the easiest, right? Like from a distribution yeah. standpoint, you know you're struggling. So in cooperation with the French and the country, the Republic of Texas, they put armed vessels. God bless Texas. You know, like <laughs> learning that Texas had been its own country for several years, like made a ton of sense having visited <laughs> there. Like, you just, you can see it. It's like, you know what? You guys have been your own country. I I, I get it now. Yeah, you do you, boo. Yeah, like, you know what? It all makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Texas does what it can to to intercept the smugglers. And even the U.S. decides that they're going to lend a hand. And so they drop the USS Woodbury, a warship, to join the blockade. One article calls it a schooner. I'm going with warship. It sounds better. Yeah, I mean, a schooner could definitely be a warship for sure. Does right. it have guns? Then it's a warship. I mean, maybe the BB gun on the front seat of the SS Sardine could really do some not damage. I mean, it, <laughs> hysterical work, but you know, nothing, nothing to do anything. But Mexico's like, you know what? We're not paying a damn a dime because 
you need to remove this blockade before we even start negotiations. You're not coming here from a position of kindness and gratitude and working on common ground here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like That's how we were supposed to do. I think we I tried mean, it's that. Like, we're, we're broke and blocking us from our ability to get that money ain't helping at all. Right. And Meanwhile, it's like all of this is happening and Mexico's like, we're going to put a ton of our army at the port or port of Veracruz just because we can tell that this is where there's a, a big likelihood of incursion. The problem is like they kind of have no money. So like doing a big significant armed resistance is basically impossible. So that was like April things kick off. It's now November and the French ships fire at that fort in Veracruz. And in the 28th of November, the French have like 30,000 soldiers and Mexico's got 3,000 troops. So, I mean, after rolling them dice, things aren't too good. And Mexico looks at this shelling of their fort and they are like, I cannot believe that France would do us dirty like this. I mean, first we had the block. If they declared war, they set up a blockade. They fired on our fort. You know what? We're we're declaring war on France. I quit. You can't declare war on me. I've already quit. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't quit because a quit would be like what? Like raising the the surrender. I mean to say, like it's the exact same energy as you can't fire me. I quit. Fair, fair. You yeah. can't declare war on me. I declare war on you. Yeah, ha, <laughs> yeah, that'll show you not recognize me as a country i'll show you what i can do mm-hmm. where's my mom i know <laughs> and so it's at this point the french they're they're done caring they invade the city it's a one-day battle and it says the mexicans enjoyed some early success but it was a one-day battle and by the end of that day they're forced into retreat so i don't know what success looked like like if one's french soldier tripped and like broke his leg <laughs> on his own backpack or whatever it was, but it was not a good time. And Mexico had the red cheating. But as all this is going on, for one man, it was an absolute victory. And that man, <laughs> our man, the redoubtable <laughs> Santa Ana, who coincidentally, when he retired, he retired to Vera Cruz. I mean, it's like he just saw this coming. It's like, you know, I, I'm going to set myself up for the next scene change because this is going to be a fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. And while in Santa Cruz, he sees all these truths pouring in and he knows he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, this is my comeback moment. Put on my Taylor Swift album. I am doing this. I'm entering my villain era. We're going to get this going. It's going to be amazing. And so he grabs whatever troops he can muster and then he starts attacking the French who are holding the port city. And during that battle, he gets hit with grape shot from a cannon and <laughs> loses his leg. <laughs> Just I love it. <laughs> and fire. Like, so <laughs> it in sources I couldn't find that Angie offered up. And the, the first time I told her this story, she she made mention that she had heard he stood in front of the cannon and yelled fire, and that's how he lost his leg. Again, 
I cannot cite my source. I heard the story years ago, but that's what stuck with me. I mean, either way, Brad loses his leg. And fast forward in the spring, the economy's still in tatters. It hasn't gotten much better. And it's at this point that Great Britain steps in and says, yo, Mexico, maybe maybe you should sue for peace because this isn't working out. And maybe you should promise to pay the 600,000 pesos. And so in March of 1839, France lifts the blockade. Now, we should note that the final body count of this whole campaign, France loses eight during the five-month conflict. And Mexico lost more than 200 troops. So, not- you know, at least half of those eight were not actually in combat. They were like, got drunk and fell off the ship. Yeah, like uh, died of an STI. Yeah. Yeah. Or paper cut. You know, just wandered out into the Sonora Desert. Exactly. So, either way, Mexico is soundly thrashed. And it's just, it's awful. (laughs) But Santa Ana, he decides to go on a bit of a PR blitz to rebuild his reputation. And he goes from being this lackluster person to a general back in the national spotlight. And part of this PR blitz, he digs up his leg. (laughs) Never going to get over it. (laughs) And gives his his leg a parade. I I I don't know what a leg parade looks like. But then he gives it a military funeral. And it did lose it did it did lose its life in battle. I mean, it did. <laughs> but it, it's it's just it's so big. He gives his leg an entire an effing monument and then resumes the presidency. Listen, he put people to work building that monument. He did. And then he decides (laughs) to raise taxes because, again, the country's broke. Yeah. And people hate him. Now, I I did hear in one source that he ended up having, he commissioned two legs being built. One had a ball bearing. I didn't tell you this in the last one. One had a ball bearing, so it bent at the knee. And I don't understand the functionality of that. Like, I kind of want to see him walk around with, with the said thing because you look at like the cork leg that I do have a picture of and it is from like the knee down. So I don't understand how the ball bearings would work. And I kind of wish I had images of that because I want to, I want to understand the mechanics because I would hate to be walking around and my knee suddenly buckle because of the ball bearings. That's so and- steampunk. I love it. I mean, it it is very steampunk. And as somebody who's starting to, you know, lean into that aesthetic for her entire home, I just yeah. kind of want a steampunk ball bearing leg lamp. <gasps> yes. Yes. And then you have to put a plaque on it for Santa Anna. I it would just say redoubtable. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> But anyhow, so he has these legs built and he's raising taxes. And it's 1844, so it hasn't been too terribly long. People are so fed up with him. They tear down the monument. And have you ever been so angry at somebody that you dig up their severed limb? And then Not that I know of. 
then they do the better. Like this thing is like, it's got to stink. It's got to stink. It's been in the ground for five years. They dig it up and they drag it through the streets, chanting that they want to kill the cripple. (gasps) I know I didn't say that the last time, but that is literally what they're, I I don't disagree. I didn't (laughs) say it was polite wording. I'll slap the explicit label on this episode because I've just earned it. (laughs) And so Santa Ana, he does the Santa Ana thing and he retires to Cuba. Well, you know, you know, it's been a good run. And For my leg. Yeah. Boom, tish. <laughs> You're welcome. So I'll two years later, out. it's 1846. The U.S. declares war on Mexico to take Texas, the independent country that Mexico doesn't own anymore. Because they're independent. They don't need no man. But they're going to let some people... But it's like Mexico's like, I mean, you're you're ours, but you're not ours. You're ours because we didn't agree. Santa Ana like said that you're not, but you are. And the US is like, we're gonna fight you for this independent state of tech. Like, like the, I want to be in the room for that one because that feels like mm-hmm. a different conversation that that I needed to be in on. So Santa Ana, he, his ears perk up because he can't not be in the middle of turmoil. And he <laughs> He goes, oh, hey, U.S., uh, I got I got an idea. You remember how I was like president of Mexico every time things got a little heated? Um, how about I'll reach out to Mexico and um, I'll sell you land super cheap and then I'll work this through with you. OK, like I, I, I got your back. You like land. You like Texas. I can get you more super cheap. Uh, hey, Mexico. I want to come back. I want to help you meet, you know, navigate this, these mucky waters with the U S because they're kind of a bully. I I have a feeling they'll calm down in a year (laughs) or two, but they're not calming down now. Um, but I don't want the presidency. I'm not going to usurp power. That's not me. I'm a changed man. Cuba has been revolutionary for me. (laughs) And so the U S goes, yeah, we'll smuggle you back in. Get us that land super cheap. Santa Ana, the one-legged general, he gets back into Mexico. He doesn't sell land to D.C. He does take over that presidency, though, and uh, he he's back and he's worse than ever. Anything that he, bigger, <laughs> badder, worse than ever. He does the immediate thing of taking a bunch of Mexican troops and starts war with the United States. Oh, well, yeah, they should have seen that coming, to be honest. I mean, you don't earn the title redoubtable with anything else. Yeah. Think that you're right yeah so from 1846 to 1848 the u.s and mexico are in the standoff and it's during that conflict that santa Ana loses the artificial leg he's been using since the battle of veracruz so he loses the <laughs> same damn leg twice well three times you think that it was dug up and then lost <laughs> to him but it's technically a third time. leg i mean this is like me with my cell phone in the early 2000s you know, like could not be trusted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Santa Ana is doing his thing. And because he thinks because he's the president that he can be able to take a break from battle and, you know, go have a chicken dinner and relax in his carriage that he he doesn't necessarily. I mean, he kind of plays too close to the line. And so a group of troops from Illinois come upon his carriage as he's fleeing and they find his chicken dinner and the leg that he left in a hurry. <laughs> so I can leave it in a hurry. 
I mean, I can only imagine that you don't have time to like do all of the straps that come on with this thing. And it's just quicker to take oh, your yeah. nub on a horse. Okay. 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 That's not the visual I wanted, but now that's the visual that I have. Thank you. I mean, it's a better visual than the, the one that you and I wanted to come with of him like hopping. Mm, that is still my favorite because I can see it, you know? I don't disagree. It's not a bad one. I just don't think it's the actual one. <laughs> I think you're closer to right with the with the horse, though. That makes more sense. I'm I'm just going with what they had at the time. Like I'm just trying to draw the the you know what what did he have access to? What was he likely to do? So the troops from Illinois they they do the logical thing. They sit down. They eat his entire meal. They take that leg, and I can only assume every shenanigan that happened with that leg. But either way it makes it all the way back to the state of Illinois because <laughs> Illinois is immediately next to Mexico for those playing at home. <laughs> and it is currently on display at the Illinois State Military Museum. This part cracks me up because Mexico repeatedly has asked for Illinois to send the lake back. <laughs> no. Yeah, and <laughs> Illinois, like, Illinois is just like, uh, new phone, who dis? <laughs> so, no. before we before we end, it's like, ours. Yeah, look, <laughs> they I had it longer. Fair and square, finders keepers. He left it. It's mine. So, Santa Ana, because obviously going back to Mexico sounds like a rough go at this point because you you know lost a leg again 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 like they're <laughs> you know what my congress is not gonna believe that i lost this leg again and so he you is never gonna believe this but <laughs> <laughs> crazy thing happened you know that Super leg weird. i had yeah the no, i one. don't i mean it's gone but he he ends his life and this is what cracks me up in Staten Island. It's just so random. Like he just he ends his life and like he spends two years here and dies senile and broke in a in a modest residence. And like I think that part cracks me up because of all he did for money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like every time the going got rough, he didn't stick it out with his country. He bowed out and went into retirement, did whatever the heck he wanted to do. And then when things started to come back, he's like, oh, I'm back, baby. I am president. What did you say earlier? Zaphoid Beeble rocks. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's that's perfection. President Zaphoid Beeble Brocks of Mexico. Mm hmm. Yeah. Running his I'm, I'm with stupid campaign. I am seriously going to have to go watch it with my boys again. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is one of our all-time favorites. I mean, I remember reading Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy backstage during a play on the uh, Bosnian-Serbian conflict. And the play itself took place at a women's refugee camp. So it was incredibly somber. And I'm backstage reading this book Tackling as the stage manager is beating me. (laughs) 
They're like, just read the book. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, but you don't understand. The dolphins leave Earth. So long. And thanks for all the fish. Um, I think hands down, my favorite part in the entire series is in, I think it's book two. Uh, it's book two or book three, but it's the restaurant at the end of the universe. Mm-hmm. And there is a rock star. There's like a rock band in there and they're there hiding from, for tax evasion. Like they've declared yes. dead on their taxes. <laughs> it's so yes. stupid. It makes me so happy. <laughs> We've been declared dead. So we don't have to pay taxes anymore. I mean, who among us? Definitely Santa Ana. Dude would do anything <laughs> for money. <laughs> Feel like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me your story. Seeking a Zapoid Beeblebrox. <laughs> you just Sorry. can't like, all right. Like, I Buttons can't aren't unsee- toys. Buttons yeah. aren't toys. I can't. And his head. <laughs> so I can't, I can't unsee it now. Ah! He's, he's always going to be a Mexican president now. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, Got to find the beginning of my notes. Okay. You have written handwritten notes. I do. Look at for the friends playing along. You, you can't see this, but it's pink. It's pink. Yeah. I rarely ever write in normal color ink because um, in one of the English classes I took in college, like a thousand years ago, uh, he the instructor had us write like sideways or in circles or because apparently that's like really good for your like creativity in your brain mm-hmm. and that has stuck with me forever so I use different colors and I don't I rarely write like this way you know okay like these yeah. are my notes from work yeah I mean like and depending on how complex the notes are I will write my questions going into the meeting at the top and then I'll put a symbol next to each question. And as I ask yeah. them, I do just the symbol and then the answer. Yep. Yeah. So I can mind uh, map where everything goes. And yes, I also color coordinate everything. This checks. Yeah. Every day. Every day is a different color. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Most of the time. That's not where I got it from, but yeah, that's where most most of the time it's pink. It started out pink because that's what no, that what color was in my notebook. But anyway, Prussia, seventeen twelve. For those that didn't know, like myself, uh, Prussia is in fact not just Germany. <laughs> Before Germany became Germany, Prussia contains parts of Germany, Russia, Poland, Denmark, Belgium, and the Czech Republic, among other nearby areas i'm doing a very complicated compelling fellow but i'm quite fond of him regardless of his negative attributes why don't you just stop tell us who you're talking about like yeah frederick the second the great of prussia the first of nine siblings the crown prince if you will uh his <laughs> he had nine siblings his they all and when i say nine siblings that's nine siblings that lived to adulthood in 1712 like i think that's worth mentioning yeah no i mean because you, you had you know you, you make a couple more to lose 
That's so bad, but yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Like at the time, you know, there nobody right. to wash their hands. We didn't know that maybe we shouldn't flick things. Exactly. You know, we still blamed like we didn't want to open windows and let in fresh air because that's bad for kids. Oh yeah, I would not have done well in the birthing bed. I'm just gonna say that. Like, open the window. I would like to breathe. Just I mean, you don't want to sit in a room of your own putrid smells? Not typically. I'm not a fan. I mean, all right. I also bathe regularly, but I'm not sure how regularly they bathe. <laughs> but still. Yeah. Anyhow, fast forward. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, his favorite sibling's name is Wilhelmine. Um, because in Prussia, we're not real clever with names. Because uh, his father is Frederick William of Prussia, and his mother is Sophia Dorothea of Hanover. Dad wanted them to be educated like normal folks, so he got them a Huguenot tutor. Huguenots are French Protestants <laughs> and that left France for religious freedoms. Angie's saying that because the first time we she we <laughs> talked about this, I was like, Huguenots. Huguenots. I know I know the word, but I've always just said that they're Argonauts and they fought with Jason against. And I agreed with her. And uh, although I I knew they didn't, but it doesn't, they should feel like Argonauts is right. <laughs> Argonauts is still the answer that I'm going with on Jeopardy. Just so I mean, know. you do you. You do you. I'm not going to stop. I didn't say you. I was winning. I just, this is what I'm, this is how I'm going This down. is what I'm playing. Okay. That's what Look, we're doing. Oh, you mean that's not it? <laughs> No, I'm going out as a meme. Let's be honest. Do it. I'm so proud of you. Um, so so he hires this French Huguenot tutor, Madame de Montbal, and she teaches the children German and French at the same time, as well as literature, philosophy, and all things French. Um, they're Francophiles for sure. It's even stated that Frederick the Great himself, as a young man and well into adulthood, did not really ever get a perfect hang on the German language or the German accent and, and botched it quite a bit. He preferred French. Um, <clears throat> he loved music so far as to say that he completed at least four symphonies, a hundred sonatas and um, permanently suffered from taco neck, which we determined tacos weren't a thing in Prussia at the time earlier but just get that visual he played the flute a lot that's that's all i'm trying so to say when she says taco neck what he means what what he means what she means i didn't mean to misgender you uh, okay. is like flopping the head over to like do on your flute or to eat your taco whatever you do you boo um so frederick's dad frederick william is kind of an authoritarian the first first, if you will literally senior yes see we're gonna call him senior from here on out frederick senior is an authoritarian and very militaristic and frederick jr is not he is very basically every time you have a junior and a senior and the junior the senior is very regimented stick up the you will do things my way like the same same yeah 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 exactly that um 
so he beat him and humiliated him in public all the time because that's what you're supposed to do i guess that's how you engender love right yeah right 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 right. um that being said it didn't stop frederick from his passions and by 16 he had grown very close to his father's page peter carl christoph von keith because that's so much fun to say you know nothing says sexy like a good seven names (laughs) that's exactly what i'm thinking um no one's entirely for sure but they think this might have been more than a friendship um wilhelmine comments on how close their bond was and how she she herself didn't really know where they stood so of course dad finds out about this and does the thing where as the ruling monarch you can send your child's lover away sends him to the dutch front lines and out of frederick jr's life around this time mom starts to try to make marriage alliances that never really plays out because of some kind of shady ambassadors and and different individuals involved Okay, fine, whatever. That's cool because then he meets a much older Prussian officer called Hans Hermann von Kett. Because that's also super fun to say. And he's a Prussian officer. I mean, so he's already in the army. He's close. He's one of exactly. us. Exactly. He knows exactly. the languages that I speak. It's fine. Right. And my dad likes him. Um, so they do the thing where because he is also serving in the Prussian army because he is the crown prince and that's the thing that you do um they decide while on like an away mission that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna escape um but they're not entirely smart about this and they tell a friend they phone a friend and the friend has what i called earlier a come to jesus moment but we turned out it's actually just probably petty vengeance <laughs> i mean it's petty or it's just like a, a, a get which quick a get rich quick scheme where it's like you know what why don't you cross my palms with some silver i got some news i'm gonna spill this tea yeah or like maybe don't kill me because i told you this is what's happening mm. oh it could be one of those like hey i know you just caught me with the court martial offense but uh how about I throw somebody else under the bus to save my own neck? That's kind of, yeah, I'm somewhere, I'm somewhere on this, but it's super scandalous because one of the individuals that's involved in telling their old pop that his son's about to run away with his lover is um first boyfriend, Mr. What what is his name? Mr. Von Keith? Yeah, uh, it's, it was it's his, his brother. brother. It's his brother, right? I yeah, mean, and brother. like his brother's got motive and opportunity, right? Like right. You know, like, you just why would lost you tell a brother. Him? You just lost a brother to the front lines. Moms cried every year on this date, hysterically. Of course. But, like, why? Why does Frederick and um, Von Kat decide that, like, telling anybody else is a good idea? Because, okay, look, you're young, you're dumb. But, and you know what? You know this guy, you trust this guy. He is the brother of your first love right like think about it like the 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 breakup it wasn't a breakup yeah it was it was kind of a tear apart right well and so you're still super close with the family okay 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 i'm gonna let that okay that works mom still makes you lemon bars and still thinks that you're you're the cutest yeah you're just amazing and i know my son loved you okay i'm i'm gonna let that 
I'm gonna let that work. Okay, that works. Okay. <laughs> like, but anyway, don't get me wrong. Dumb is all get out, but it's understandable if you look at it from that lens of like these guys likely had some good camaraderie. Yeah, I, I would have to think they did, and I would have to think they'd probably been together for years as far as like time spent with each other, right? Mm. Um, just just because they are serving in the military, so they've probably gone through whatever their training, whatever their schooling, yeah, all of that together. Um, but that being said, so they tattle, and Dad finds out about it, and he catches them, court martials them, and tries them. And but but before he tries them, the first thought that goes through his mind is he's just going to kill them and pass over the line of succession to one of his younger sons because it's cleaner and we've already know this this one isn't the first one didn't turn out it's like the the first pancake pancake yeah you're not you're not quite the right shape um but then he realizes that's gonna not go over so well with the holy roman empire um it's not gonna sit well executing your own crown prince uh, so he does the next best thing and he makes him watch the execution of his lover. No. But he faints before the death blow. So he technically didn't see the execution, but but he was there. He gets it. He knows I mean, yeah, like there's so much emotional trauma there. Like so much. I don't know if it's really a saving grace that he didn't see it. Like maybe you don't have that ringing through your brain, but you've got you've got all the trappings of survivor guilt going, whether you had oh. your eyes open or not. Uh, there's got to be so much going on upstairs. <laughs> so much going on. Um, however, that that segues into his marriage because. By 1733, he is married to Elizabeth Christine, who is an Austrian Habsburg. Does not, can confirm, have the Habsburg chin. Looking good, Elizabeth Christine. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They don't don't have a love-filled marriage. There's no passion there. But he does respect her. And she stays faithful to him her entire life. He bestows all the honor, all the properties, everything due her position. Just, both as his princess and his queen. I just I just want to push back on that because we don't know that it was loveless because they both were quote faithful to each other or whatever. Well, she, she was faithful she was, to him. She was a Habsburg, so what's to say that she had the ability to have children? Okay, so that's true. Um, however, we do know that they did not share the same residence for most of their life. Okay, that that's fair. You know, it's it's kind of so, hard when you've got enough room for the Holy Ghost in between. <laughs> right. Um he in fact in their in their capital city, he didn't even allow her to come to to the main palace. She had her own court and her own She had a, zip, a separate zip code, a separate area code if you will. It she she didn't fact. Yes. Got hosts in different mm-hmm. area area codes. Okay. That's it. Yep, that's right. it. I'm editing all that out. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping it. Love it. Um, However, he does, despite how um, terrible his father treated him, he does have mad respect for him. He really admires the way he um, rules his people and how he feels it's his duty to serve his people. Um. So he kind of takes some pages from dad's playbook, but he does some really great 
things with his kingship after dad dies. Um, he brings a bureaucracy into the modern age. He reforms the judicial system. Mm-hmm. I said it. I'm on fire. Uh, <laughs> no one's stopping you now. You should stopped. join Santa Ana on a campaign into Texas. <laughs> and I look like Zaphoid Beagle rocks while I do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he abolishes judicial torture, which we have determined is not just like the judge throwing torture at you, but probably had something to do with um, like investigating of crimes and and interviewing people but you, you see will. that and i feel like jury duty would be much more entertaining <laughs> if you had someone on the rack okay Confess. but also ju- click 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 jury duty is judicial tor- torture in my opinion that's just me I mean, so like, if you could just skip ahead to being like you were actually picked here is the case as opposed to like sitting there just a reminder that there is no cell phones or talking or amusement of any kind. Please stare forth at the wood paneled walls and hate the next 12 hours of your life. You will be paid $5 for this enjoyment. That's going to go straight into parking. Uh, yeah, so thanks. Now I have I have to go to therapy for that. Um, You're welcome. Because that's exactly what my last jury duty was. Um he makes it possible for non-nobles to rise through the ranks to become judges and senior bureaucrats. He is a big fan of freedom of speech and freedom of the press. Um, he views kingship as a duty with him being the first servant, although he did rule with absolute authority. He encourages immigration into Prussia. Um, he abolishes serfdom on crown-owned lands, um, which we, we've determined serfdom is where the individual and the family is tied to the land, not the landowner. So the at the very least, the lands owned by the crown serfdom was abolished. So that's cool. Um, not so cool. He was rather oppressive towards Catholics. He... <laughs> But he thought, excuse me, he feared the Jews as being the most, um, what's, what's the word I would like to say, the most dangerous sect of minorities in his country. Um, for one reason or another, because I guess, you know, Jews at this time are feared everywhere they go. So there's that. I mean, yeah, I'm glad that we've stopped that. I'm glad that that's over. That was a dark chapter. For three thousand years, Um, (laughs) up until yesterday, actually, right? Um, He he set up the lottery and fire insurance for his subjects. He did actually turn out to be really good at war. Um, Prince Eugene of Savoy, with whom he was protege to, stated that everything about him convinced him that he was one day going to be a great military leader. He was. Um, because he read, he read everything. He used ancient plays from all, all the great military commanders of the past and, and they worked for him. Even when he is, his armies were numbered like, you know, 10 to one, he, he was kind did, of always winning. Did he read Liu Bing's strategy? And then like, okay, we, we've got him kind of surrounded. Start singing the, the songs of their countrymen, the folk songs. Oh, Susanna, on one, two, three. Make them think that they've lost. That wasn't in my notes, but I would have to think there has to be some deception involved. I mean, that was one of those plays I was like, 
you sang a song and that made them think that their side lost. Hey, you know what? Distraction, it works. It's super works. That's a hell of a distraction. You know, like how so- how sad are your folk songs? And everyone's like, that's the song that means it's that's the fat lady singing. It's game. The reigns of Castamere. All right. <laughs> All right. You're welcome. Thanks, now. <laughs> Anytime. The gif of Alice from Alice in Wonderland curtsying in front of you. There you go. All right. Fair enough. Carry <laughs> on. Carry on then. Um so the whole reason i wanted to tell this story is this right here in 1756 he realizes that his people are about to fall into could be a famine um things aren't going well we've just come out of some battles food's not growing great so he tries to convince his countrymen to eat the potato because it's it's new to Prussia. It's just made its way east. And um, they're like, yeah, no. Because the potato comes all the way from South America, right? Like this has had yeah. a rather long voyage. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and his, his countrymen are like, you not feeling this. They're, they're the three-year-old going, it's dirty. Ew. It tastes weird. I don't like it. Well, you liked it yesterday. I don't like it today. It's, it's dead to me. Yeah. Um, and and one of the other cool policies, that being said, one of the other cool policies he put in place is kind of an open door policy where it didn't matter if you were a nobleman or a bureaucrat or a peasant, um, he was available to talk to. So he, he heard from all the stratas of life how the potato sucks. Um, however, they were they wrong. Grow. They were wrong, and potatoes grow really well in Prussia, so he does what any forward-thinking individual does, and he has fields and fields and fields of potatoes planted all around Berlin, and he tells his guards, guard this so they'll want it, and when they come to take it, take a nap. Ignore them. Take the bribe. I don't care. Let them get the potatoes, but make it look like they're really special. And the guards were like, okay, boomer. But you know, like that, that's still best job. They're like, okay, so mom, I got this job, right? Like I'm working, you know, know, I told you I'm working for Frederick the Great, right? Like I'm making the money. Like you told me, get, get the, get the state job, get the government job. I got the government job. You're you're right. It's got great insurance. The benefits, (laughs) mom, wait to hear the benefits. Take bribes, take naps. They don't care if I steal things. They don't care if I let others steal. I could whatever like as i'm long not as the potatoes my job if like you you remember when joe when when joe accidentally took like he took a squash and it didn't go over well yeah like you remember how he accidentally shot the the king's deer and next thing you know like you know he was in the stocks for a week <laughs> and a half that was a thing that happened embarrassing still but well, anyway anyway yeah so as long as my suit's pressed i'm like good i'm good to go like i just gotta show up what a gig Right? And the peasants are like, potatoes! And they sing about it, and they figure out how to make french fries and au gratin, and most importantly, mashed potatoes. Wait a minute. And wait, every... a minute wait a minute. I can't actually confirm what they figured out how to do with the I was about to say, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure... The, you mean the, the, all, the amazing Prussian potato that you get next <laughs> to your hamburger? That's the one. I mean... Uh, it... That is called a french fry, but it's an American food. 
<laughs> really from Prussia? I mean, we talked about how France is in the middle of absolutely everything. This is not new. <laughs> okay, I, I give up. Your turn. You, you, you've done a great <laughs> job. I'm convinced. Thanks. <laughs> um, I Like I said, I don't know what they made with the potatoes. I am going to look it up, though, because I am really curious to try some recipes from the 1700s to see if their potatoes tasted anything like our potatoes. Um, I mean, potatoes are probably the same, but what they did to them are a bit... Yeah, right, right, right. Because spices... Right. Like, um, but I don't, I can't get leeches. What do I do with this? Mm. How do I make the leech potato soup? Oh, leek, leek. Oh, we've got leeks. Yeah. Leek. <laughs> I was just going to wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all of that to say, he kind of becomes the, the hero of the day. His people don't starve. They learn to love potatoes. All things are going great. He earns the nickname of the old Fritz. Um, I forgot to mention this in case all you listeners at home care. He was also a Freemason, which I find very interesting. Whoa. I know. He might have something to do with that Templar treasure. Kind of don't think so, but worth worth saying. <laughs> uh, he loved animals. He opened the first veterinary school in Prussia. Uh, refused to wear spurs because it might hurt the horses. Oh, during his military campaigns. I can't believe I forgot to mention this. He actually had his horse shot out from underneath him multiple times. So, you know, he led his armies into battle. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Had his horse shoot. Like, Billy, Billy, take take aim at, take aim at the, the horse, flicka, t- shoot flicka. Yeah, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to fly off the horse. It's going to be fantastic. Like, no, don't, no. Don't miss. Don't hit me in the leg. <laughs> no, it wasn't like for show, Billy. It was like the enemy was firing on him while he was leading his troops into battle and they okay. shot the horse out. When we say him. like he had it done, like it's like he elected to surgery. No, it's not Lasix. <laughs> he, he just was, he was sitting on the horse, like, you know, riding the, like, I'm not a horse rider. Okay. He was riding the horse and the horse was removed. He all of a sudden wasn't riding the horse. <laughs> the horse was erased and he was standing there (laughs) (laughs) um and all that to say he okay so so he dies at the ripe old age of 74 years old historians believe his last words were cover the greyhound because she was cold they found him dead the next morning i'm thinking he lived a life man napoleon worshipped the ground he walked on and I have to share this quote because I think it is because Napoleon to me is like one of those characters who you don't think had any idols, right? Like Other he than is himself. the uh, right, right, exactly. Like oh, I only love myself and I'm the best. Um, but no, Frederick the Great was was his homie, and when he took Berlin, he took up resident in the old Fritz's former offices. And went, demanded to see his tomb, which, by the way, his Frederick the Great successor did not honor his last wishes and had him buried next to his father. Now, wait a minute. The the successor was his brother, his little brother. His little brother's like, yeah, look, I I know you said you gave me the crown. Thank you. Thank you. Warm seat, by the way. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Great dog. Um, Yeah. uh, You want to be buried here? I'm putting you next to dear old dad that you got along with so well. So well. so well yeah um that did all those nice things for you and your boyfriend great um but anyway so napoleon goes to visit his mausoleum and before he 
gets all the way in, he turns to the men with him and says, hats off, gentlemen. If he were alive, we would not be here. And, like, the depth of that for me says so much because Napoleon himself tried to invade Russia three times. <laughs> it was and a I bit just, cold. It was a little cold, but to me, it showed the amount of respect he had. Like, okay, I wouldn't mess with Prussia if he was still alive. Um, mm. But I'm stupid enough to go after Russia in winter. You know, I mean, look. We we don't all bat a thousand, right? Like God sometimes doesn't give with both hands for sp- specific individuals. Yeah, like Napoleon Santa Anna. I mean, <laughs> he didn't give with both legs for Santa Anna. <laughs> you know, he didn't kick with both feet. That that Lord of ours. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. With Napoleon, you know, sometimes he just kind of has these laps in judgments. You know, like you know, hooking up with Josephine, who may or may not have actually liked him. These are things. These are things. Yeah, but he what? loved her. Oh, didn't he? Mm. Poor Napoleon. <laughs> so, sadly, uh, his reputation, Frederick the Great, not Napoleon. Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> thanks for, the, thanks for the, the letting me know. Yeah, sorry about that. Frederick the Great, uh, his reputation takes a hit for the worst um, when Hitler comes to power and he becomes a bit of a Nazi symbol, you know, because no jews you know um hitler had a had a bunch of things you know he he liked liked a lot of things he liked henry ford there you go um i got a beef with both of them the whole five-day work week among other things i mean when when hitler has a big painting of you behind his desk i feel like we need to ask additional questions follow-ups for sure uh, but because of Hitler, the one thing Hitler did right in his entire reign is that when he went to war, he actually took Frederick's the Great Bodies, body, not bodies, there's only one, and hid it so that it would remain safe and respected during the war. But, you know, you say this, but it's like, and I thought about this, not to be, not to be contrarian. Even oh, you're though, totally being a contrarian. <laughs> I, am, I am. But it's like, we don't know if anything would have happened. We don't know if there were good people going like, look, I just can't wait. I just got to scale this fence. I'm going to start digging. I got a shovel. I think it was more that he was concerned about bombing of Berlin. Right? Okay. Uh, okay. Bombing, bombing of the Prussian areas. So like he was buried in Potsdam and I'm going to assume Potsdam was right in the train of... Uh, of, could potentially be a, a real disaster if okay. I, the allies you. get on board, right? So he hides the things that are valuable to him. Frederick the Great's body is one of them. Um, but because of this, it allows for 205 years later, somebody else to honor Frederick the Great's wishes and bury him in the crypt he had built for himself to share with his dogs in death. And that's just you beautiful. can still go there and put potatoes on his grave today. Yeah. I love that's that. My, I love that too. Like I like my dog so much. <laughs> I want him in the crib next to me when he goes. You know, greyhounds. In case you're curious, they were greyhounds. Maybe not all of them, but at least the one on the end of his bed, right? Or were they all greyhounds? Um, I know the two, so he had two at the end of his life, and they were both greyhounds. And my assumption is he's like the Queen of England and her corgis. You know, like once you find the breed, you found the breed. You know, mm. 
that's what I'm thinking, but I don't know. I don't know what his what his collection of dogs ranged from. I just know the last two were greyhounds. That's really awesome, right? Potatoes and greyhounds, man. Potatoes and gravy. I mean, greyhounds. <laughs> don't eat the greyhounds. Pet the greyhounds <laughs> while you eat the potatoes, or give them a blanket of gravy because they're cold. Could have been. He did not dial. He did not die senile on Staten Island missing a leg. So there's, <laughs> so there's a bonus there. So you're saying he had a better go? Uh, mm, like we don't know about Santa Anna's love life or how his dad treated him, but I'm gonna say he definitely had a better end. I think Santa Anna had the kind of like he wasn't here for a good long relationship. He was here for a great vacation. He just seems he was like here a for vacation ship. Yeah, you know he's <laughs> he's there for you know for tonight. Uh, yeah. So all I know is that Frederick was it, at the very least respectful of his wife. She lived in a different palace, and he loved his dogs. Past the first two boyfriends, I'm not sure. He probably he became a lot again. more discreet after that. I'm I'm thinking that if he did, yeah, I should probably look into that. I I didn't think till till just now to to think to see if he had any other male or female lovers. I would think though, after watching one get sent away and the other one get executed, you either are super discreet and we're never going to know about it, or you just don't. I don't know. I don't feel like the urge ends, so I'm feeling like you just. You just keep it very under the rug. Learn Ooh. more at pbs.com because we're not fit to fill in the details. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you my sources. I'm sorry. Do you want to know my sources? I would love to know your sources. All right. I actually, I, while sitting in church this morning, sorry. I Don't apologize down. to me. Apologize to your pastor. That's who I was apologizing to. <laughs> I'm sorry that you listened to this podcast. Please pray for our mortal souls. Please and thank you. Uh, um, S C I H I dot org. Um, that was one of them. It's a science history, a science tech and art history website. I looked it up. Yep. Luminlearning.org, Britannica, Wikipedia for the timeline of events because they're so great at timelines. Uh, warfarehistorynetwork.com, not military news like I thought. And um, I don't know why this is a thing, but discoverywalks.com, which is like a, I think a trip, not trip advisor, but like a travel planning website. Um, Come walk the same path he took his dogs on. Yeah. Cause like, it was like 10 facts about Frederick the Great. Um, but it was like in relate, like each each fact had a relation to the area, like, uh, like a picture. Or this is where like- he watched his lover be executed, and you can have a hoagie here. Thank God it didn't say that, but yeah, <laughs> you you can still put potatoes on his grave though. It's blood orange smoothies. No, you are terrible. Thank you. Hi, Jack. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the worst, even. I don't want a smoothie or a hoagie where my f- former lover's head got chopped off. I mean, maybe you don't. But a hundred years from now, people are going to be clamoring for something 
And hoagie is just a weird word to say. You just wanted to say hoagie, but I don't feel like that's a sandwich that's indigenous to Prussia. Well, potatoes weren't either. And here we are. Perugies. Those are Polish. Near Russia, they had potatoes. But that makes more sense than hoagie. And it sounds as fun. I'll find I, want to, I want to disagree, but I'm I'm gonna let this go. <laughs> it's just like she's giving in because she sees how determined the look on my face to be I'm right like, about this is. You know, my drink is empty. I could use some more. I'm I not let gonna her argue stop. about a hoagie. <laughs> yeah, I can go get more if I if I wrap this up. Call it done. Freaking hoagie. <laughs> it's a pretty good insult, actually. Freaking hoagie. What did, what, what does that even mean? Oh my god, it's the equivalent of saying you're an or an idiot sandwich from, from Gord Ramsey. You're a freaking hoagie. Oh, best insult ever came from one time I had to take somebody very close to me. I'll let you guess who I won't tell you on air. Um, to the emergency room because they thought they had a hernia. And the emergency room staff give this individual an MRI of their abdomen. And come back and tell me and patient. Uh, we can tell that you have a fecal burden, but there is no indication of a hernia. It was like, oh, back one, back one. The termination, the terminology was fecal burden. That is the best insult I've <laughs> ever heard. Best insult, fecal burden. And then it was, are you saying that we just paid $4,300 so you could have a doctor look at your poop? What do you do? What do you do for that? You wait it out. You offload your fecal burden. Stool softener? It was it was a while ago. It was a long time ago. And oh. I have a real solid guess. <laughs> I'm just You said say- solid. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I did. I'm just going to say send them my regards or don't. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) That's hilarious. I'm not laughing at the situation. No, you are. I mean, fecal burden is up there. And it was that never happened. That never happened. Okay, then where did I get the terminology fecal burden? Because I didn't make that up. (laughs) You can't make this crap up, bud. (laughs) Crap oh god i'm sorry (laughs) don't apologize to me i'm enjoying it i have a fecal burden now because i can't stop saying things related to it (laughs) lame but joking you didn't say that i just i I didn't i was like wait a minute did i say that rewind the tape i don't feel like that there's a there's a flag on the plane it wasn't i was gonna say flag on the plane i didn't say that (laughs) Oh, that's unfortunate. Freaking well, hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we love hanging out with you. Even if you don't like hanging out with us, we're that friend. <laughs> Show up to the party uninvited. Right. And uh, <laughs> if you want to tell us how much you don't like hanging out with us, we're here for it. You can do yeah, that at uh, history or boof. You can do that at unhinged.historypod at gmail.com. We're here for it because right now we're we're just getting updates on social media. 
And we like that. But, I but, mean, we do, us. but those are just links. And we'd rather hear from you because you seem more fun. You're more exciting than generated yeah. mail. We like this. Yeah. Hit, hit us with some good stuff. Yeah. Um, story suggestions. Ways uh, we've messed up. Uh, other stories we... where people didn't math the math out and decided to roll the dice. And, um, and get their legs shot off. I mean, um, we're down. We're down for that. Yeah, we love this. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> have a great time. We'll talk to you next time. Peace out, my potato friends. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.